0: Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. So Tony and I worked together at Sky, and I knew of Tony before he knew of me, because Tony's boss, Dario, um, he was raving about Tony before Tony ever started. Honestly, from the interviews, from everything, he was like... Tony is amazing. And when Tony joined, he did not disappoint. He did not disappoint at all. So yeah, really looking forward to to this conversation. So I would love for you to explain and let us know a bit more about your career journey.
1: Uh yeah, well thank you for such a, a kind introduction. I'm not sure I've earned all of it, but I appreciate it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. Uh where 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 to begin? Such a such a long and winded journey now. Um <laughs> i i've always i've i've always loved uh, mathematics since school uh okay. i've just been one of those one of those kids that was just kind of like lucky with it i spent my uh uh, summer holidays, getting my older sister Zoe. She's like the genius of the family. She uh, would write me math sums, and I would sit there working them out. It's from like the age of six. I used to love it. I also had this little game where I wrote down all of the uh, fixtures from the Premier League, and I'd roll mm-hmm. a couple of dice and do the scores, and then I'd calculate all of the tables and the the, the thing <laughs> there. So I al- always had an affinity with numbers, which led me to go working in Barclays Bank. Um, I worked there from the age of 19 for... About four or five years i think um and yeah in the end you know it was really that's that's not really numbers <laughs> the computers <laughs> do all of the hard work for you it's it's just it's just more processing money that's not yours which uh mm. gets a bit tedious after to a little process. while yeah. so uh, <laughs> yeah yeah definitely <laughs> so i um i actually went back to to uni to try and get a uh, qualification um was really lucky i got uh, got in touch with a chap called Martin Lavelle at Plymouth University and he helped me get a roadmap to to getting a degree as a mature student so I did a access course at the local college and um, randomly it was in psychology and biology <laughs> so I think it's weird uh, that I had to do that but it was part yeah. of like uh, to prove that I had the academic sort of acumen to, to, to then go up and do a foundation year and a degree um but it was good because you know that psychology i did at a level as well you know it's really really um helpful in understanding you know social and what have you um but martin Avell is actually one of the um lecturers i would then go on to have during my degree and um i think he was uh sort of the first person that um gave me that kind of reality check of you got to work hard for these things he, you know yeah. they, they, they they don't yeah. just come like he's, he's a great guy Like I, I look back now and wish I had told him a, a little bit more uh, about how influential uh, and and his support was because he gave you support but he gave it the hard way you know he made you sort of like realize <laughs> that you know you're the only one that's going to sort it out like I can sit here yeah. and I can tell you where you went wrong I can sit here and give you advice but if yeah. you don't sort of step up and do it yourself i actually failed his uh advanced calculus uh in year two and had to repeat a whole year just for one module um but it was it was good for me you know it really sort of uh uh made me want it even more uh just before my final year and when i finally got across that finish line you know it's just the victory was even sweeter and mm. you know um uh, that lecturer martin he's a uh, Pure genius, one of the top uh, physicists. You know, he, he could, he, he would be able to solve two like quadratic equations on the board, jumping from one to the other, explaining what mm-hmm. he's doing in both. And, you know, really, really good. So I think I learned at that point that people have different styles of leading you. But if you can respect, you know, how they've got to where they are and, and, and you can see sort of their journey and they're open to showing you that, then, you know, I don't mind hard leadership sometimes. Um, he was, he's very, um, celebratory and 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 positive in terms of achievement so you know he he gives you the other side of it but he wants it to be something that you value you know so and i think that was a really good thing to have learnt during that degree um and then yeah off the back of there i was lucky enough i played five-a-side football back in in barnesville in devon my hometown um and uh, a mate there, uh, a chap called Dan Ward. You should get in touch with him on LinkedIn. He's great. He's now a performance coach, I think, uh, for okay. the same company. Um, but he's um, he he gave me my first break. He was um, covering maternity cover as the managing uh, the analytics manager. Pretty much the only one of two com- analytics companies in Devon, like in North Devon. So it w- there wasn't loads of opportunity, but I was lucky enough to have. And 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 that's one bit of advice I'd probably give everyone. You know, the the old it's uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know kind of thing. You yeah. know, networking yeah. and building connections and 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 being open to understanding different people's experiences and stuff like that is is huge um to to get there and this was from five-a-side football you know we played five-a-side football friends of friends and got that job there about a year after that um again i think i mentioned before like you know when i'm inherited by managers it doesn't quite feel the same as when i'm uh sort of selected by a manager i think it just didn't work out there um in that setup so that was a point big change in my life uh decided to come down to london um and a chap called i can I call him the analytics guru. He, he, is, he is the guy that I'd always go to, you know, absolutely mm-hmm. always go to. He's gone on to AWS and then and Google now, and he's, he's leading some of the AI stuff there. Um, he gave me that chance at um, Visit Britain, which is the British Tourist Association. Um, and we worked together there.
0: Um, Sorry, he, what, he also what made me you decide to me. come to London?
1: Um, purely that about opportunity. Like I'd gone through those six mm. years of being a delivery driver. I was a Domino's delivery driver. <laughs> so I, I'd left Barclays Bank. I was a Domino's okay. delivery driver, driving two hours in the morning. I, I'd just set off at like four in the morning, two-hour drive to get down to uni, do 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 a full day uh, study, and then drive back and start my shift as a delivery driver, finish at midnight, wow. get some sleep, and then, then start the next day. Do all the so, day. So, yes, wow. and it, it might... I had one of those timetables that never let up in the third year. Everyone was saying, don't worry, the third year will be so much easier. It's hardly any lessons to go. No, I just kept, they kept spreading it out <laughs> over the whole week. So, but, um, yeah. And so I put all of that effort in and, and I felt really proud of coming out, uh, with the result that I did. And, um, yeah, I think because it hadn't necessarily worked with the, the, the other manager at the that place in, in, in where I was working, um, there wasn't, there wasn't loads of other opportunities so it was kind of open open yourself up to something different or, um, mm. or don't, or stay where you are and, uh, yeah, I uh, had a few interviews down here and ended up working with the companies that I went for the other interviews with like, as working for VB so again, it's networking, you know, just putting yourself mm. out there for those interviews, you know, uh, the, the sort of Corporate world, the the, the 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 data world, whichever you want to look at it, you know it, it's smaller than you think sometimes. And these people that you sort of meet in these interviews, you can cross paths later down the line. And there's been plenty of people that, that I've, I've done that with. So, yeah. Anyway, so that that was the, basically the main main thing about um, London. Did I did I want to do something in it? I didn't have anywhere to, to to live at the start. I was uh, reliant on the kindness of friends, sofa surfing, uh, dodgy hotels. You know, the, the ones that you they, they they say four star on the banner, but it's uh, it's anything <laughs> but on the inside. So, uh, yeah, that was that was the first year down here. That was tough, um, but uh, no. And then luckily, I had I had a, a really good a really good mate that came back to the UK at the time. that Worked out, and we moved in together, and that was it. Um, you know, from there, I. Uh, took over as head of global data and analytics after Ikenna left. He recommended me for the role, covered it for a year um before they found a permanent replacement. I was only supposed to cover it for three months, but they are like, Oh, okay, you're doing all right, let's just keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> um but um yeah and then that whole the whole role came to came to a head um at a good point. i you know we left left in on good terms. Um I uh, did a campaign there that sort of I produced something out of the situation that made me realize what it was that I wanted from the next step in my career. I wanted to really make a difference. I really wanted to use data, everything that I'd learned from my journey, um, you know, going through and I love looking at spreadsheets. You know, my mates will laugh at me. I do one for any trip that we go on a stag do. I've got a spreadsheet for it. You know, anything Mm. that we're doing, fantasy football. I swear on fantasy football, if anybody looks at the, um, difficulty the fixture difficulty rating. I invented that. That got stolen <laughs> off of me. <laughs> uh no not, not 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 really because mine's nowhere near as sophisticated as that. But I was using that a few years ago. I actually finished five hundred and fiftieth out of like two point six million. So I think it was working quite well. well and then everybody else working. got it and I can't do it. now yeah, now now I finish like down in the middle of the pack. So uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a personal vendetta from the fantasy Premier League. But uh yeah I like um I like I've always liked dealing with data big data sets mm. you know the, the the more the merrier I, people look at me weird when I say sometimes I feel like the data sort of talks to you like it draws You're you in to whisperer. where there's like a the an whisperer. anomaly yeah the data whisperer. <laughs> yeah so so I've always really enjoyed that and then I think it was it was the the pure fluke of having um, that psychology as part of the access course and realizing just how much statistics there are it, there is in psychology it's mm. not you know, it's not some sort of pseudoscience. It's not some sort of uh, make-believe of the mind or or, or what mm. have you. You know, these are these are really sophisticated studies where they they put a lot of data into them and then you realize kind of that all data is just human behavior you know Mm -hmm. and one in the same if you learn how to interpret one and how to sort of fix problems with one you can actually use that to do the same for human beings like you know bring that into the real world and actually you know mathematics wasn't invented by humans it was just discovered by humans it's it's been in the world ever ever since it began you know the things in nature that, that relate to what things that humans have created and it goes on and on so um yeah. I um I wanted to do something where I knew I could make a valuable difference both to the people that I worked with and to mm. the products as well. I, I I also struggle that people I think need to connect the dots between, yes, okay, we want to be, you know, respected as workers and treated well as workers, but also we're there to do a job. So there's a kind of like a you need to accept some level of inevitability on in what work is, you know, like mm. and realise that I think my dad he's he's got loads of sayings and loads of terrible jokes but the 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 sayings that he sort of uh, instilled in me when we were younger is is things like uh we work to live we don't live to work you know if you're not happy in your Mm. job people can spend Mm. years arguing against the tide you know like like swimming against the tide trying to make a change and yes rightfully so like sometimes these things are about making change and, and standing up for that but also sometimes it's about well There's a contract with a description and that's what it is. And, you know, if it's something that's in there that you don't like, then just consider just moving on for your own sake. You'll save so much time in your life and you might find that next job that really shows your progression. I know we're talking, I won't go into detail on it, but we're talking about the situation with um, the job I had before Sky in between the the two, you know. It just became obvious that there was a difference of fit. You know, it doesn't doesn't have to be personal. You don't have to get upset about it. Um, You know, you just sort of deal with the facts and walk on. But uh, I think that we could do a lot more to make, particularly the data world. We could do a lot more in the data world, I think, to humanize what it is that we do and how we treat the, the, the people that are creating the data. I think there's a lot of work to be Definitely. done there. I think that because because a lot of the world of data is very kind of focused in on, you know, we, we all learn like glued to our screens, typing away till our fingernails are, are falling off, you know, like just coding and, and, and what have you. And you can't help it because if you pass one bit of code to another, it's like a different language, you know, like if you, mm-hmm. if you're reading someone else's code and, and stuff like that. So I think that to get where we need to get to in the data world, we are kind of forced into this uh, reclusive siloed kind of way of, of working and what we need to do in organizations is then bring people back out of that and actually show them a clear pathway to say like oh you know here's where we need your skills but here's where we need your personality here's when here's where Mm. we need your passion here's where we need your Mm. sort of energy to be focused in on because when people's energy is purely focused on bau task that's going to be burnout that's going that's going to be that point where they're just why am i doing this i'm just churn 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 Mm. and i think that's where sort of the, the the role of manager data engineer and manager i think i started with seventeen direct reports i think i was talk about twenty five twenty six at the moment wow. um, you know and it's it it's it, it, it's it's a it's a lot of people but you know they're such a great team and i think that any manager is only as good as the best they can get out of their team and the, the the team is is excellent i i um as you said some very nice intros about me at the start of the thing it's 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 impossible not to credit them with that you know, they support each other. They pull in together when those times are hard. They are there for each other, both, you know, socially and, and in the workplace. And all I'm trying to do is sort of be part of their team. You know, it's not me coming in and telling them how to live their lives. It's me coming in and telling them that it's okay to live their lives, you know, and, and, and giving them that sort of safe space to actually be creative and experimental. You know, so much of the stuff that that I worked on getting out of the way is, is, just conversation, just communication, like saying to other people, like, no, you can't just say, it's not my problem. It's not your problem. So you need to pass it on, but you need to pass it on with purpose and intent Mm. and and to help Mm. people. So someone comes to you and says, how do I do this? And you don't know, but you might know someone who might know something, pass them on, Mm. give them the introduction, Mm. do it, you know, Mm. don't, don't say to them, there's a name here. I've just plucked out the air, go find them. Do do an introduction for them. Be kinder to each other. Yeah. Be kinder to each other all the way through. Mm. Um, and I hope that's the, the, the kind of environment that I'm, I'm creating for the team. But, you know, like I say, it's, it's as much on them, it, they are they, bringing suggestions to me too. And I always want to sort of be listening as a manager and, and learning myself as to how I can be better and, and how I can be more productive for the team. You know, my, my job is to make sure that they are free to be the best that they can be. Um, and I can only do that by bouncing off of them, you know.
0: And how are you, how are you managing to maintain, sorry, to maintain and grow your culture while your team is scaling up? Because often the more people that are getting involved in something, the easier it is for that culture to get diluted.
1: Yeah, I think that is difficult and, and I'm, I'm constantly, um, trying to listen and adapt. So, um, I came up with in in this current role some improvement groups that that have got like uh, you know self volunteered people sort of motivated to 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 make some fundamental changes to processes documentation and that sort of stuff. Um, and you know I came up with one design, but now I'm getting some feedback. We're adapting. We're pivoting. We're you know we're 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 willing to live in that sort of test and learn culture. Um, and do you know what? Through that, I've you know stumbled across some really exceptional leaders. Um, just in those improvement groups. And all they were trying to do is to give a positive input. They, I don't think they necessarily realized at the time that what they've shown mm. is exceptional leadership skills. You know, some, um, so I designed each group to have, um, I think, you know, anywhere between five and 15, I think, volunteers. But each one of those had people that self-selected to be a leader within those groups as well. So using those groups to give people the opportunity to, to, to... Embrace that um, personal development, you know, repurposing. I think, I think this, is, this is one thing that's costing companies millions. Business problems are also personal development opportunities. Mm. Trust your employees. Trust your employees to fix things, trust their, their thoughts. They're, you know, they're, they're hired to do a job that you cannot do yourself in the SLT. You can't, you cannot do yourself, you know, so distant from the work that actually gets on and gets done. So I think that's, you know, a big one is what, what is this magic word trust that, that, that senior teams, you know, talk about, you know, it trust is in the everyday actions. It's not in a mm. document. It's not in a mm. news update or a, a town hall or something like that. Trust is in the actions of what you ask your people to do and what you allow them to the freedom to get on and, and, and do with it. So, mm. you yeah, know, I think that I've always without my team, I, 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 w- I, w- I wouldn't dare try and sort of be an expert in any of my, uh, my direct reports, their <laughs> uh, subject matter areas you know what i mean they mm-hmm. just embarrass me probably you know it's uh, it's about trusting that i trust them that they're, they're my experts absolutely whatever they say goes from a technical aspect for me and then in, in return from that what i hope that they trust me with is is connecting the dots and moving the blockers mm-hmm. they trust me to mm-hmm. be there to support them and also to connect them to the top you know it's not i'm not in you know I'm not i'm not like a in charge of the team as such you know my role is within the team and that's, I think, hopefully, what makes
0: a bit of a difference. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I love the the improvement groups idea. One of the things that you mentioned that I wanted to go back to was you mentioned about your dad. So I'd love to know a bit more about your dad. Like, what did he do? Who was he? Because it sounds like he's had a massive impact in terms of your mindset in approaching, like, life and even leadership.
1: Uh he's going to love this. He's going to absolutely love this. I'm going to play this video back to him and he's going he's gonna to love it. No, 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 he's rubbish. No, no good advice from him. Um, no, so, um, no, dad, dad's dad's uh, been a great role model um, throughout life. You know, I, I was raised, luckily, with abundance of love from my mum and dad. You know, um, a very, very loving family. And I think that's given me that extra sort of security to grow in confidence you know I, I wasn't confident as a kid you know i was bullied sometimes and you know had, had, had not the nicest experiences throughout my whole childhood and um i just think that they always they always made me feel like it'd be okay but dad would mm. so dad's uh uh ex-armyman he he left the okay. the army after i think about 12 years just before i was born so he kind of did have that that military regime kind of sort of <laughs> sense to to it but okay so like he, he had this thing on the weekends where i'm up everyone's up you know and uh <laughs> he just sort of got, got that in you like yeah it just um made sure we didn't waste away our time too much and you know yeah he had that but he was always sort of like light-hearted with it and uh oh, if, if if you stayed in bed after like the first or second warning, you'd come in with a wet flannel, bang, right on your face. That's it. You know, you're up. Come on, let's get going. Yeah. But you know, he's just he's just um, he just rolls with it. You know, he he he's got uh, a calmness to life where you know he he just makes you feel reassured that that it'll be okay. Like you know, you could end up with nothing, but you'll still be okay. You know, as long as you got mm-hmm. each other, as long as you take care of the, the people that count. You know, and it transfers into workplace as well. You know, my team, my, my family at work and, and whatever they need, you know, I'm here to, to do whatever I can to make that easier for them, you know? And then, you know, I want to even transfer that another layer to the customers that you serve and, and, and the people that you interact with stakeholders and stuff like that, you know, everybody is just trying to get by, you know, so dad's, dad's saying on that one, you know, we, we, we work to live, we don't live to work, you know, like everyone's here because we just, you just want to get by. We want to, want to continue yeah. doing what it is we're doing in life. And this job is the way that, that, that we go about doing that. So let's all drop the stress and just realize that if any, if all of us could be, we'd be on a beach somewhere, sipping a cocktail, you know, doing whatever we want to do, uh, you yeah. know, and, 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 and that's the truth of the matter. We, we're all here because we need to, to work to live. Um, so yeah. let's make that a little bit easier on each other and make work yeah. a little bit about living. You know, it's not about just process. Mm. Like, and and, and, and if the senior leadership team gets freaked out by that, by saying, let people just be a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more fun, it's like, give it a chance, trust me, give it a chance. And you know, the, the right people with the right attitude will, will, will shine in that situation and you'll get far more out of them with that freedom. than pigeonholing in three times as many people into a, a, into a fixed structure you know it's better to lose the people that either take that that situation you know take liberties with it or people that just don't thrive in there it's okay for them to move on and find their place in in another company that is run differently but like i think that the most value that you can get out of a team is when you give them that freedom that safe space um, to, to be able to do that you know i don't think that I think, I think it's an old school mindset to think, Oh, giving people more freedom means they're going to be lazy. I think like this whole, you know, return to office versus work from home sort of stuff and what have you, the right people Mm -hmm. are going to be immensely better working from home and the other right people are going to be immensely better working in the office. It's Mm -hmm. not a one size fits all sort of situation. You know, we need to understand what are they doing? Drag somebody into the office. And they don't speak to anybody, you know, they got calls online with people that are overseas or, or this, that, and the other. Mm. What, what is it you think you're getting What's out of the that benefit? situation? Yeah. Just a number on the seat. Yeah. Wh- where is where's the tangible benefit in that? You know, mm. we I, I, but don't get me wrong. I fully support office. I think that there's so much creativity and, and so much opportunity for socializing, which is fundamental. If you don't encourage your teams to socialize, then I think you're doing a real disservice to your team. It's more important than drilling them on their BAU or you know, focusing too much on deadlines. I don't want to badger my, my team about deadlines. I want to trust them. Again, mm. what does that mm. word trust mean? Trust mm. them that there's two things I care about, attend your meetings and meet your deadlines. Yeah. Mm. Other than that, I don't, the, the, the other rules are, you know, yeah, they're, they're there. We know they're there. Mm. Don't mess about, you know, do do what you want. You know, I like, it's a bit more liberal with it.
0: I think that thing around trust is so important because I feel like the old school way says that people don't really want to work, that people are trying to shirk off. But I feel feel like what's coming through now a lot more is that recognition of like, I wanna be good at my job. You wanna be good at your job. I feel like often when people aren't good at their jobs, it's either because it's a bad fit or because they don't actually know how to be good at their jobs. And that's our job as leadership is to show people the way that you can be more relaxed and have some kind of balance between, are you working all the time or are you resting? Are you getting your time? And you can still perform really, really highly. And that's our job as leadership is to create an environment of trust where people are empowered to go and do their best work, to go and perform at really high levels. But it's not because we're killing them on the back end of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, I think that we're saying it beforehand In it seems too simple. It seems so simple that the answer is kindness. (laughs) it mm. seems so simple that that could be what it all comes down to all of the mm. unfairly induced anxiety and pressure and stress of the workplace and these opinions that you need to lead with you know uh, like an iron fist, fire and <laughs> like you know it's like yeah an iron fist it's like you know imagine if the remedy is literally just uh, just don't be horrible to someone think about what it was like for you in the role you had before this one and the role mm. before that like mm. That's if that's the answer, then you know you you've got to hold people up accountable. And and uh, do you know what I think that yes. I think that it comes back again. And I know I, I bang on about this too much, but uh, the the the, uh, the individual contributor versus the manager situation. You know, mm. you put you you take a team of people, you look at the best person in there. So the person that can do the best value product that you can create. And you stifle them by promoting them to a managerial role where they are just then bound by people skills that they don't have. They can learn some of them, some of them, but that's a small percentage of people that can actually make that transition. They mm. they just uh, are bound by that management. So you've lost your best person in the team and now they can't manage the rest of the team. So the rest of the team are feeling disillusioned, disconnected from everything that's going on. And you've lost your high quality products. And I think that that sums up a lot of problems with um, organizations and why they think they need org restructure. They don't. They need to take their best person in the team, Mm -hmm. make them a lead, which is the Mm -hmm. same level as a manager, but without the people responsibilities. They take on the technical Mm -hmm. and the people Mm -hmm. manager is there to mentor the others to go one way or the other, either mentor Mm -hmm. the others to become new managers or mentor the others Mm -hmm. to become new leads. And -hmm. it makes it much clearer then everybody in the team then feels like they have a choice they have a mm. choice in their career mm. direction, even if they stay at Sky. You know, mm. it, it's it's quite mm. simple. Then you, you you're putting the power back into them, and and genuinely it is their choice. You know, I give them advice and guidance on what qualities I think I've spotted in them, whether they mm. where I think they should pursue individual contributor routes or whether you know. Think about individual contributors as well. There is no ceiling to that as well, because you're probably the entrepreneurs. You're probably the people that will break out of this and, and go off and do something completely yeah. different. And that's fine yeah. as well. Companies need to be comfortable with that. I think it was you know, a cheesy quote from Richard Branson or something, you know, treat them well enough to stay, train them well enough to leave, something like yeah. that. I mean, it's a very powerful thing when you think about it. Like, you know, if you all you need to do is... Give people what they're creating, what they're asking for. Everyone's asking for training, development, this that, and the other. It gives you better products. Yeah, mm. give that time from your 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 capex spend to product development you know to to to, um personal development you know it's it's one of those things where when we buy a product from apple we don't dictate how that money for the product is going to be split down you know and how it's done with this and the other if 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 we go to if we get a customer's budget and what we can do can tangibly improve the output that we give them either add value or create extra efficiency more speed something like that Mm. then that's part of the product price you know, And so, therefore, mm-hmm. we need to be much more proactive in saying to people, right, on your backlog, you need an hour's training this week. You need you need two-hour session for X, Y, or Z personal development. You need to put mm-hmm. that on your backlog so you know how to fit it into your protected time, so that you mm-hmm. know that you have the right to be developed and, 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 and to choose your, your, your development or,
0: or what have you. I think what you said about the way I took it was almost like not holding people too loosely. So knowing that at some point that person might leave and I might be developing them to leave because one of my first head of departments in one of our first meetings, he said, look, I know that you're not going to work for me forever. My job and my responsibility to you is to make sure that you go into your next role as ready as possible. And that always stuck with me because it's quite like a wild thing to say because often you think about, well, this person should be staying with the company and they should be doing this and they should be doing that. But he was by saying, look, even if your next role is somewhere else, My responsibility to you is to make you ready for that next role. And I think if we hold people a little bit more loosely in that way, like I'm not just trying to keep them here, keep them here, keep them here, because sometimes that's not actually going to be the best thing for them. So like when I left my Mm -hmm. old role, three different people got promoted because that space was made. So actually it was good for everybody, right? That I actually moved out of the team into another role. So if we just try and keep people, keep people, keep people, we keep people stagnant and that's not okay either. We've got to hold people loosely.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely spot on, and and it makes me sort of recall the analogy of like a uh, you know running a football team, right? Mm. You, you know, you 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 got striker that, that's just come in scoring loads of goals. You develop them, they become, you know, super 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 striker, and then you know they're going to move on. You 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 need you 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 need the next person to be being trained up behind them. You know, you need exactly. you need the person that's going to come out. I I I can't sort of. Look at, say, one of my my most senior members, and if they wanted to move on, I'd be really happy for them, really proud of them that they're taking the next step and what have you. And I'm ready with a list of people that I know deserve promotions already. So, you know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. have a problem backfilling that gap from them. And mm-hmm. I wish them all the best. And, you know, I'll give them glowing reference because, you know, I think that where where is the crime in that these days? You know, long dead the, the loyalty of, uh, you know, employment, you know, from both sides. From both sides as well, you know the company if they need to get rid of you, will get rid of you. You know at the same time you should be looking <laughs> that, uh, you know yeah. Sorry, make them raw on the bone, but you know it's it's uh, a it's a two it's a two way street that, that you can things. you can easily uh, you know move 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 on as well. You know and I think. Um, yeah. As, 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 an employee, you should feel empowered to do so you, it's not, it's not robbing one company if you do training whilst you're with them and then you decide to leave. I mean, I know some mm. companies that will then charge you back for the, any training that they, they, have credited you or anything like that. But mm. I think that's just bitter of a company really, because I don't think anybody really has the intention to join another company, to steal some free training, to move on to another company. Right. No, that's you gonna know, when be we're rare. doing that training, that's in that company, we want to be, we want to, we want to be better. Yeah. Mm. exactly yeah um, mm. no doubt mm. somebody would always try swindle in any process but uh, yeah. in general you know people are doing that training because they want to be better individuals and currently mm. they're at your company so train mm. them
0: and i was talking to this guy so he recently got made redundant and he started a podcast called i got fired last week and so we were talking about this <laughs> weird balance right that you have to have between you i absolutely love my job love my company but I also have to understand that, look, this is a business at the end of the day, sometimes business decisions are going to be made and it's not going to go my way. Right. Cause he was talking about how, you know, when you get made redundant, for example, it's like the breaking of a relationship and it feels like, you know, your girlfriend doesn't want you anymore or whatever it is, but it's kind of like, you also have to understand that there is a business side to it. And absolutely I'm committed. Absolutely. I love my job. But if at the end of the day you turn around tomorrow and say to me, look, we can't afford to keep you. That's also okay. You know, I can't, I know it's hurtful. Mm -hmm. I know it's, it can make people bitter and bit angry, but like it's, that's kind of what it is in a business at the end of the day. And we have to be able to strike that balance between being comfortable to commit. Yeah, I'm committing to you, right? But it's a business at the end of the day. So sometimes you're not going to be able to pay me what I want you to pay me. So I'm going to go, or you're not going to be able to afford to keep me. So I'm going to go. So it's just this really interesting balance with what you're talking about in terms of sometimes you're going to like,
1: Get let go. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And and you know, I think if we all get to a place where you, you can be, you know, particularly if if you're the one on the on the the unfair side of that that decision or anything like that, if you can be that sort of pragmatic about it and, and just sort of like i said earlier about accepting inevitability to a certain extent mm. with careers mm. you can't just walk into work and say like i want to get paid lots of money for doing exactly what i want to do the exact way i want to do it when i want to do it like that's just mm. that job doesn't exist and if it does give me a shout i'll get my cv straight in for it you know <laughs> but uh, it just doesn't it just doesn't exist right. you know there, 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 there's a huge amount of compromise as you do the analogy with relationships and stuff like that compromise you know understanding mm. you know the mm. benefits of the differences rather than the mm. conflict the differences
0: you know Mm. um yeah i think it's uh, quite underrated I've, i've spoken to so many people who have been made redundant and every single one of them has turned around and said you know what it sucked at the time but it turned into something amazing you know it gave me my next opportunity it gave me this like so many people have have been through that, and so many people have come out the other side and said, Do "You know what? It was actually okay." So I think it's it's just something to consider, especially like now, like people getting laid off left, right, and centre getting made redundant. So it's like you definitely have to almost like prepare yourself for the fact that that could happen. And if that does happen, how am I going to respond? What one, one thing I wanted to ask you was, what does emotional intelligence mean to you? I
1: think it's, it's it kind of
0: represents a, a lot of things to
1: me you know i could be quite cynical about some things i, I you know I, la, la, labeling theory is something that i, I just uh discovered uh during psychological studies and so labeling theory where sort you give a name to something and it becomes something you know so emotional intelligence i get it i i understand yeah emotional intelligence um is 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 a label that they've given to something that i just think is uh kindness you know kindness. like like uh, yeah. under and un, underneath all of it underneath all of mm. it is is such a simple human being a human mm. trait you mm. know like uh, it it it's it's as simple as that so emotional intelligence means that um not only i guess what you said about um kindness not weakness Emotional mm-hmm. intelligence takes it from being able to understand um, how people are, how, all the different variations of personalities, how we all interact, how the fact that those variations are there, even if you don't know mm-hmm. how to empathize or, or sympathize with them, them entirely yourself. But to be aware that those, those differences exist and, the, and that people have different tolerances to all sorts of different stress levels, to all sorts of different um, scenarios and their reactions to those scenarios, they're always going to be unique. And to have the ability to still make progress whilst Mm. caring about all of that, Mm. that's probably where business side of the phrase emotional intelligence comes in. You can still be productive whilst at the same time putting the care for people at the heart of what you do.
0: I think that's Mm. probably emotional intelligence in the workplace. I love that. I love that because I think going back to what you said about kindness, it's almost like kindness to others, kindness to yourself. Like... And sometimes I feel like we see kindness, like you were saying, as weakness, or like, I have to be really, really nice. But sometimes being kind is holding someone accountable and saying, hey, look, if you keep doing this same thing that you're doing, that's not gonna end well for you. You know, and having a tough conversation with someone, mm-hmm. which might not feel nice, but it's definitely the kind thing to do because you're thinking about their future, you're thinking about what's going, to, how this ends up for them. So I really like what you said about, you know, how do we deal with what's going on with the care for the person? at the heart of it because inevitably like the more you care for the people, like the better things are, the better your environment is. When an environment is better, people love to perform in a good environment. You know, it's like it's just it all feel, fulfills itself, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that um there's like a an inflection point where it's hard for maybe senior teams to believe that kindness can be the answer. Because what they've got to do first is let there be a dip in productivity let there be a dip in production so that you can give people the chance to uh, sort of adjust to a, a new way of being realizing that those boundaries aren't there and that they are free to explore their own thoughts mm. and to, to sort of try new things that and the other and, and and just sort of um bearing with it whilst it goes through that inflection point and then i promise you the productivity that comes out the other side will make Mm. up for that dip entirely, entirely. Mm. Because otherwise what you're doing is you're chucking the organization around left, right, and center, getting people lost. And then you're bringing in new people that you think, well, they did really well at this company and and they're going to do really well at this company. And you just throw money after it. Like, to, to lose somebody and replace them is such a financial cost to the organization. Mm. If, you, if you can't do the emotional intelligence part of it, just do the ruthless financial part of it. Yeah, yeah? You let yeah. go of a person that you're paying a salary. Yeah, you, or you get somebody else in that's probably going to try and negotiate a higher salary anyway. Um, mm. And then throughout all of that, you get this huge drop uh, whilst they have mm. to rebuild their knowledge. It doesn't matter what role mm. they're in, what, what person they are. It's, you always have a dip in your productivity when you first start a new role. Getting to know mm. people, networking, mm. understanding what's your responsibility what's not um yeah i uh
0: yeah (laughs) i i agree because i feel like especially as the society that we're in you can get stuff instantly right like i broke it get a new one i broke it get a new one i feel like we're starting to apply that a bit to people in terms of well i'll just get another one you know oh tony wants to leave that's okay i'll just get another one but it's like we don't see the real Mm -hmm. cost of actually doing that and like you said, it's it, it costs so much, even just from the time that I used to spend having to interview people, right? That's mm-hmm. time that I can't actually be productive in my job. And most of those people I'm not going Absolutely. to hire. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, actually, I can agree you know, more with you.
1: Exactly. So there's there's the burden on the manager, the hiring manager. There's the burden on the person that's got to onboard them, train them. It's not just one person that you're you're taking no. this dip for. But because it's individual dips, they don't notice it as much. But if you try and do a cultural change where you genuinely empower people to feel happy and safe and confident to be creative mm-hmm. and what have you, that dips too big. It's too noticeable. So they can't bear with it. They. They have yeah. to freak out and think that something's not working, or or that this yeah. is this is counterintuitive. Like we're well, production's going down, so obviously this new happy environment's not working. It's like no,
0: not people working. are just trying yeah.
1: to discover what it means to be happy at work. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's going to yeah. take a little bit of time, um, but not long, not very long. Once people get that taste for freedom and creativity, they they're, they're going to run with it, and they're going to be coming out of yeah. ideas that you can't keep up with as an organization.
0: You know? Exactly, exactly. I I couldn't agree more with that. I'd love to know how you how you grew in leadership like did you have a mentor that put you on that path was it something that you were always quite interested in from the psychology background like what really was a catalyst for your growth
1: um yeah i don't know because at school i was that's just a, a a ginger masky <laughs> a, bit, a bit a bit a bit on the bigger side and what have you i wasn't very um yeah, you know, I wasn't in any any means a leader or anything as a as a child. I just kind of was more content in my own in my own time, in my own space, and mm-hmm. you know, sort of was comfortable with that. But whereas sometimes people might think that you know maybe that makes me an introvert or what have you, I then also loved to get on stage and do drama. I, I was you wouldn't believe it, but I was loads of loads of different um, loads of different stages uh, stage shows that I've done and what have you, and. That was the confidence part. So I had Mm. this kind of contentness being on my own, but actually Mm. this enjoyment of being silly and acting like somebody, Mm. a different character and and learning something new, getting lost in this world. of. And and I think that's the creativity part of my brain. It's just sort of like love that kind of getting lost there and what have you. So I don't know where from that confidence seems to be okay. That makes sense. That could lead to being a, a leader, but I didn't have that other element of, I had no desire to sort of be a leader of people or or, or anything like that. Then when, uh, when I was, when I started working at Barclays, uh, I loved the, 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 I don't know, it's probably really old school now. This is like quite a few years back, but they had, uh, pod machine proof of deposit machine where you'd put the checks in they'd run around it take a screenshot and come up on the computer and we had to manually update any sort of numbers or figures that were wrong so it could be like wrong account number wrong mm. amount you know so these are the times where people were like hey i paid a check for 70 quid and i got seven thousand, you know it was <laughs> my job to then like reconcile it at the end of the night and yeah. make sure everything was correct and do that off the back of that i i started um training people with new systems at Barclays even though people have been there a lot longer and you know just sort of found a good way to explain it to different people and that that was like yeah. my first understanding of of kind of mm. that principle that that there's different ways to learn and there's different ways to teach um, and then um, after a few situations at the bank uh, there's they needed somebody to step in and cover. You'll notice this theme throughout my history of my career is that I'm the one that they call when it's on fire, <laughs> and then I'm not <laughs> always the bridesmaid, never the bride, because I never like get there, you know, on the, on to the actual step. I'm am just there to fight the fires when no one else is around. So uh, yeah, I stepped in as counter manager, um, and so you know that was a 20, I think, and I was managing a team oh, wow. of about 20. Not managing so much, but more, more like time managing, scheduling, that sort of stuff, making sure that we had the right sorts of orders and stuff. Did that for a little while Was cover. That kind of gave me a taste for it because people really appreciated the things that I was doing. We had a lot of key timers and stuff, so I was sort of like changing. I, I managed to sort of kind of semi-automate in Excel a, a timetable that would fit people in based on their key time, and it made it so much easier yeah. for them to sort of like plan their week around, uh, you know, certain mm. things. And and that kind of made me feel feel pretty good. Then when I was doing my access course, so when I went back to uni, I only knew that I wanted to progress. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know sort of where it was headed. I had so many ideas. Doing my access course, we did like a maths component and maths, like I say, was just something I've always had an affinity with, Uh, did the UK maths challenge and European maths challenge when I was a kid, really enjoyed that. Like it's super cool. but yeah, so well, I lost my focus then. <laughs> so
0: you're talking about the the course that you were doing at uni and then you said about how you liked maths.
1: Sorry, yeah. So so um yeah, so on that course there was I think about fifteen of us doing the maths component um and the the lecturer there was was very adamant about his way of teaching and what have you and the Mm. other students weren't coping too well so suddenly I started helping a couple of people here and there and then by the end Mm. of it he was comfortable with it he was teaching one student and I was teaching like the other 12 or 13 like just just them doing their own thing but me going through one by one and actually just sort of like helping them to understand the things and you know quite often the the feedback was oh thanks that's so much simpler now that's so much easier Mm. now just trying Mm. to find what related that mathematical problem to their life and and, and how mm. to make them understand it in a way that just made them feel empowered with mathematics because it was an access course for all different levels you're going on to do lots of different things um mm. so you had people in there that were just purely terrified of maths you know and this teacher mm. couldn't see that he, he couldn't see that there was whilst we might all be mature students there's vastly different levels of of, of confidence and experience here with that sort of stuff so that gave me another like uh, encouragement to do it, and then I think all the way through the degree that kind of just kept getting reinforced because um, know know your skills and be confident about them. I guess that's one thing that I'd say to people: know your know your strong points and be passionate about that. So when I went into uh, doing a degree with all of these kids that had come through doing. Uh, you know, like regression and stuff mm. like that in their GCSEs. Like that, that didn't exist in GCSEs when I was coming through. What are you on about? So these are these are like like proper wizards by this point, and I'm like, I'm not mm. going to keep up with them that way. So what I'm going to mm. do is I'm going to buy favour with them by saying, I'll do all the present all the presenting for you. Cause that's what mm. they all hate. That's what they that's, all hate. Yeah. Like I don't want to get up in yeah. front of everyone and present. It's like, you chuck me in the middle. I'll go do it. I'll I'll bash down doors for us. I'll get us, I'll get us around. I'll do this that, and any other. And I didn't realize yeah. it at the time. I thought that was just kind of my way of accentuating my skills. So I didn't look so bad next to them or, or what have you. But yeah. I realized it was actually early leadership sort of development wow. where, you know, I knew how to get the best for my team. I knew that I could represent mm. them better than they might be able to represent themselves purely because mm. yeah, I just, I, I don't, my, another another lesson from my dad, yeah. Another lesson from my dad is that um, you know respect isn't commanded from a position; it's earned mm. from a personality. So you know it it, it wow. it's the way that you handle it. You know, so I love that. it's uh yeah no I, 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 absolutely. So what I say mm. to everybody is yeah I get nerves, right? Let's let's not pretend that I'm not nervous when I go into a situation or something like that, but what's the worst that can happen? You know, like, this is just another human being. They're not looking to to do me over because I had a suggestion, because I had an idea. Mm. Maybe it Mm. doesn't work. Maybe they want to give me some critique or some feedback that I don't particularly want to hear. But Mm. that's the the worst that can happen. It's not like you Mm. go in there saying... Uh, uh, I think I, th- I think this is going to make something better, and they tell around and go, "Nope, you're fired." Like, it's no. like you know, it's not going to happen. So you know, like yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm willing to put my neck on the line in quite a lot of situations and do that for my for for my team. And I think that's where it sort of came full circle. And maybe it's mm. a little bit from dad as well. Like you know, like I say that that kind of military upbringing. Like I like things mm. to I like to try and get things organised, and I like mm. systems to work. I, I really really mm. like uh, like like systems to work. And I guess uh, one thing I try to help everybody with in doing that is, you know, another buzzword, Um, but the, the, the imposter syndrome situation, you know, like, I think everybody needs to realize that when we sit here as managers and we say, we all have it, you know, we all have it. It's there, it's real. You know, it, it is something that you shouldn't feel extra anxiety about being you, it's not personal. Yeah. Everybody can have imposter syndrome at different points. You just Mm. need to try and get to that point of what is the reality of the situation. Once you're in that role, you're in that role, you've been chosen. Okay. They've chosen you for whatever reasons that they've chosen you. Don't worry about it. You just do your best now. That's what you got to do. You ain't got to try and Mm. prove yourself to anybody. You proved yourself Mm. in the interview. We employed you Mm. for that and a Mm. good manager will now just trust you to do what Mm. they employed you for. You know, I don't Mm. employ everybody for the same technical acumen or for the same whatever acumen. It's about a balance at the time of what I need for the team,
0: Mm. you know, and and I think that's uh, sort of really important. I think it's such an interesting one. And because I feel like, say, when I became head of department, I was surrounded by people who were way more talented technically than I ever could be right and then you almost have to realize like that's not what they brought me here like i'm in this room for a reason and even if i'm in this room by mistake there's this um like concept of everything is figureoutable right so like even if they Mm -hmm. totally hired the wrong person there are things that i can bring to this situation because i can figure stuff out and that's really what for me my confidence is in is that look whatever happens there's a way to figure it out You know, like there's always a way. If I ask enough questions, there is a way that I can figure out how to do well in this situation. Because often, maybe I'm not meant to be in that room do you know what I mean? Maybe I wasn't actually meant to be there. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I can still do something. I can I've still. I've definitely had value. a few
1: situations like that before. I'm like, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm like,
0: uh, really
1: going over my head here. Like, what, what was I here for? you're, like, you're checking yeah. your notes. Like, I haven't got anything on this. What's going I've got on? Nothing. But like you say, you know, we you, we just roll with it. We're confident enough to just roll with it and just sort of say, right, let me let me get an understanding of what's going on. Like, I'll yeah. either figure it out or I'll just point yeah. out that. I'm not part of this I'm not you right know, situation so, but uh, uh, do you
0: know how many technical yeah. conversations I ended up in because people thought that because I was ahead of I was like the deepest technical person and sometimes I'm sat there <laughs> like I literally have no idea what this person is asking me but I ask a few <laughs> questions I ask them to explain it to me like I'm five and then we get to something good and that's yeah. really the skill that's really the skill it's not that I know yeah, everything Absolutely. it's that I'll ask the questions no. you know
1: in fact it's, it's 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 you know being comfortable in the fact that you don't know everything like why why, <laughs> why would you want to employ someone to be a manager and then them to also be the sme like you know like like they're managing people they haven't got time to be your subject matter expert like you know i mean they're managing the person that's doing that exactly. and connecting the strategy to the operation you know like that's, exactly. a, that's a hell of a job in itself you know that's what us managers are trying to do get the best of both of those and fit them together i guess it's like you know that's that's the linchpin like the, the pivot point isn't it like you know if we can get those connected we can't then also Agreed. be the technical expert you, you, you know it's it's a crazy crazy idea I, was, no. I, I had something else written down as well like uh you know skills can usually be taught like you say like if, if you're a good problem solver if you're good sort of thing you don't need to learn a specific tool you need to learn mm. the concepts behind these concepts, things and where they sit yeah. skills technical skills can be yeah technical yeah th- i'm big on that like everything i learn i learn the concept why Why Mm. do I need to do that? Why is it doing that? Why is it giving that output? Why is it doing that? You Mm. know, ask why until you're blue in the face with why. It's like, you know, it's crazy. But technical skills can be taught. People that get to the point where they're they're a data engineer, you know, or a developer or something like that, they've already got it. They've already got enough technical skills that even if they're not using the tool that you're using right now, don't turn down their CV because they haven't got adobe analytics instead of google analytics or something mm. like that like you know these mm. these if, you, if this is a concept person if they understand the concept they'll transfer really quickly one mm. thing that is almost impossible and probably most often takes a lifetime to change is personality you know mm. it, it is just those sort of personal traits where you uh, choose somebody because of their passions for why they do something choose them for how they talk about interacting with other people in their experiences mm. if their experiences are entirely siloed into what I did and what I achieved, you are, what you're looking at. There is a, is a very strong individual contributor. Is that what you need for your role? If mm. not, you know, you should be a red flag straight away. Even if they're coming up with the most mind blowing technical stuff, if what you need is a manager, don't be hiring that person, you know, mm. because mm. as a manager, you need to genuinely uh, enjoy vicariously other people's success. You know, like 100%. I think there's another thing that I kind of taught me, I kind of taught me, like. Uh, In the data world, you've got to love celebrating in the shadows. So, um, you know, a lot of the work we do, it will not be, yep. you pass it over to marketing mate and that's it. The marketeers, they're, yeah, they're off with of it. The they're sizzle. flying. They're, yeah, they're getting the awards yeah. ceremonies yeah. with the crystal plaques and stuff like that. And, yeah. and us there in the data closet, you know, with the mushrooms like growing old in the dark, you know, like, uh, you know, that that's sort of uh, how, how it was positioned to be. And, you know, mm. I think that as a manager, if you can sort of genuinely look at the work mm. that, that your direct reports do and not only be wowed and, and impressed yourself, But then, you know, actually sort of enjoy their pride in what they've created for them, you know, and and their success Mm. off the back of it. I think that that, if you can't do that, if you can't see that, if that sounds silly to you or cheesy to you, I think that indicates that you're an individual contributor. Like, And that's Mm. not to say one can't be the. I'm not saying it's a blanket one way or the other. I'm saying on average, most likely the large majority would Mm. benefit from individual contributors realizing that before they take the mistake of stepping into a managerial
0: role. I agree. And it's not to say that one is better than the other. It's just about what are you best suited to? No, no. That's literally is like what, what well, suits honestly, you, if you, get, if you get your both those, best.
1: Yeah. If you get both of those career paths working in tandem in the same organization, then you're going to have an organization that does have really mm. good data standards, really good mm. uh, processes in place. And, and, mm. and is that company that we all expect we're going into when we join a new company, you know, where, mm. oh, mm. data's going to be like this, Future AI, high tech, you know, it's all floating. No, 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 no. Not at all. <laughs> I think if an AI bot came in to try and do everything we do in data, it would just kind of explode on the spot. Yeah. It'd just be like, no, can't fix it. Jump done. 100%. 100%. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I'm
0: not
1: worried yeah. about AI taking over. I'm worried about, you know, burning it out before it's become anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just as we close, what would you say to the younger version of yourself?
1: That's a, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know in, in, enjoy enjoy the ride more like don't take it too seriously mm. you know unless your job is saving lives your job isn't saving mm. lives you know um at the end of the <laughs> I day that. Probably, <laughs> I love that you know like it, it it's it's so simple isn't it like you know what's going to happen in in the worst case scenario like what someone will be upset with you someone do this you have to make a change in your life because it's not mm. what you want to do like mm. don't sweat it It. Something's mm. going to happen off the back of it. Something's going to come out of the back of it. We never know what the next chapter in our book is going to be. So don't be afraid to sort of dabble with a few chapters and experiment with what it is that that you are going to do in life. I came back as a mature student like, and then moved to London in like, my 30s. You know, it's, uh, it's always okay to do something different. And I think that... People can get that fear factor of change and and get a bit stagnated. And I think that if I just said to myself when I was a bit younger, like, well, I don't know. I think if you ask some people, they'll be like, no, no, you were always laid back. You were, you were always pretty calm. But you know, I did used to sort of, uh, I, I I did used to sort of think that, you know, there was so much pressure to to do well and everything like that. And now I don't I don't see the pressure to do well. All I see is a responsibility to take care of others. You know, and and to actually believe that. You know, if if you can do something kind with your day, so that whole exponential growth thing that you see people write about a lot, like you know, this this one percent better, one point zero, yeah, you know, that, day, that's yeah, that, that's true, yeah, that that that's true in in so many ways. Like if tomorrow you do one extra thing, like you know, tiny little kindness act, uh, like tomorrow, then that happens. You know, then the next day you do another extra thing, and 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 it starts bouncing off of people and and what have you. I think that yeah, let's stop focusing in on what we have to do to live our lives and actually just bringing our lives to what we have to do, you know. So so mm. in workplace, mm. just, you know, be more human, be more human. Mm. Like everyone is in there doing the same thing, just mm. relaxing. And, and, yeah, I mean, there are going to be people in there that are just moody, but isn't that the same in life? <laughs> isn't that the same in exactly. life? You know, but exactly. you, you're not going to fix your people problems by, you know, chucking everything around and moving stuff you need to really sort of invest in that kind of safe space and yeah i think that's what i think i probably would have gone into leadership a lot younger um i think Mm -hmm. that i've realized that helping people is, is, is probably where like i want to be um for sure so like say i was to take a job elsewhere after this i wouldn't even know for sure if it would be um you know leading like uh, a a hardcore data uh, division or something like that. You know, I could even see like something where it's just more about the people coaching and and taking care of people, um, which is a big change because I have been obsessed with data all my life. Mm -hmm. I just now sort of see it in everything that we do. I I just see it all in, uh, you know, behaviors, interactions, Mm -hmm. desires, you know, plans for the future. It's all, you know, mathematics and data, you know, Mm -hmm whatever you mm. want to do, whether you want to, to save, save money, whether you want to travel, whether you want to do this, this it's it's all, it's all numbers. It's all, it's all mm. data, mm. you know, so just trying to try that. That's, that's the next step for me is, is, is taking my leadership skills to the next level, rather than my data skills with my data skills. Mm. I know I'm comfortable with any tool at any part mm. of the pipeline, wherever it is, you know, the full life cycle, if I have to do that job, give me a week and I'll, I'll be fine. No worries. Like, you know, I'll jump I'll I'll on there, but, um. Yeah I think for, for 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 me now I'm not saying I'll be an expert by the way just just I'd be comfortable enough to sort of play my part in a team mm-hmm. um but yeah for me now I think that it's the leadership that I certainly want to keep exploring and you know keep working with people like I've got in my team that are just absolutely awesome you know the the mm-hmm. the reward is just some of the feedback that they that they say in even better is when I see them then branching off with their own ideas to go out and support other people. Um, you know, I set up uh, this thing we call Skull Sessions. As you know, uh, my team's Team Viking, so uh, we set up these Skull Sessions, which are like 15-minute informal uh, coffee catch-ups where they get, they reach out to other people and stuff. And um, you know, like they, they've they've taken a life of their own. You know, I've seen like little pockets of people going and meeting up with people from other teams and 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 all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's it's, it's really I don't think that any manager can sit there and give guidance on how to manage. I think mm-hmm. that you, you you can only know how to manage once you're in there with the team and and, and you take that team into account and all of their needs, all of their expectations mm-hmm. and, and their I Anyone that thinks that, that management is like a, a carbon copy blueprint that you can take, oh, that person was a good manager over there. Like, I don't think it's like that. I think that uh, it's whether they, that manager over there, they could have just got lucky. It might not have been their mindset that actually like created that sort of mm. positive pocket. I think that you need everybody wanting to wanting to genuinely help each other. And that's where I've been really lucky landing the team that i got in Sky. I've I Every single time one of them's needed something, they pulled together. And, you know, if I'm part of making that more possible, great. But uh, yeah. I, I'm really happy to be part of that team.
0: Amazing. Thank you so, so much for sharing and for your thoughts. And just thank you for being your authentic self and a great leader. No worries.
1: Uh, Thanks for the uh, additional feedback. Uh, I I, I really appreciate it. Um, If if, if what I do helps, that's great to hear because that's that's what I'm after.
0: And I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me along. Absolute pleasure. And thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you on the next episode.